0: So open up your Bible now to Ephesians 4. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to preach. And again, I know it's a video, and so I would challenge you, I would actually dare you to learn more today by way of being a student. Grab one of those notepads right in front of you. They're there. Look around. There's a spot. You might even say sermon notes. Take some notes. Follow with the teaching and apply, because this is where the rubber meets the road. The practicalities of being a Christian what it actually means to be saved. Now, I'm saved from myself, I'm going to heaven, but last time I checked, I'm not there yet. I'm still doing stuff down here. How's it supposed to look? Does God really just want me to pay my bills and go on some trips and raise a family and just kind of live normally and then go to heaven when I die? Or does he have something bigger in mind while I'm doing all those things? Does he have something more in store for me and for you? And that's where the book of Ephesians, chapters 4, 5, and 6, give us the practicalities of our position in Christ. And so let's read it, and then we'll pray. Verse 17, we've heard this before, but it's titled, The New Man. Something new now. And I look around, I look around, and I see new people. I see ya. Uh, this is a video, so I don't see anybody right now, but I do see you. I see you. There's people in my mind that I knew you before Christ. And now I see you after. I see what God's done in your life, and I can't. I I really can't believe it. There are certain people here. I can't. <laughs> I can't believe it, but I do believe it because it's what Jesus does. And there's other people. I didn't know you before Christ, but I've heard about it from America's Most Wanted. Right, I've heard about your story. Now you're here serving, and it's it's so rich and it's so real, so so good. It's so worshipful. So now look at verse seventeen with me. This is what it says. He says, "This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind." Stop right there. Eyes up here. I wonder if Paul. This would never happen in our church. But I wonder if Paul looked at the Christians, looked at them in his church and said, You know what? You guys actually don't look like Christians. You guys aren't even acting like Christians. Maybe I should write you a letter and remind you that you are Christians. Uh, you, you don't need to raise your hand, but have you ever not acted like a Christian, even though you are a Christian? Uh you're like, oh, today, you know? <laughs> and he says, don't walk in the futility of your mind because it begins in your mind. It begins where you reckoned that God is God and you're not him, and you reckoned your old man dead, and then you renewed your mind and put on the spirit. And so this contrast is painted for us here to remind us what you were like before Christ, and now to encourage you what you're to be like in Christ. He says, don't walk like the old school you. Verse 18, here's what it looked like. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling. Remember that? It just didn't even feel bad to be bad. You actually were creative in ways you could be even more bad than you've been bad. You ever been part of that group where you're just trying to get creative in your badness? Well, he says that. That's how we used to be. Verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. I remember when the Lord was working on my heart with my carnality, uh, drug use and sin and, and stuff And the Lord just said, Luke, do you know how selfish and greedy you are? And I thought I was kind of a nice guy, kind of a fun party guy and kind of made people laugh. And the Lord said, no, no, when when you're doing those things to your body, you're doing it for yourself. You're so greedy. You're so selfish. And it really broke me and it caused me to look at myself and say, why am I, I want to be like Jesus. I want to serve others and not just serve myself. Well, That's the new spirit. He goes on to talk about how this happens. But, verse 20, you have not so learned Christ. (laughs) If indeed you've heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. I remember the first time I went to a church like this where the Bible was taught in practical terms and in relevant ways and application purpose. And I went there, I thought, no way. I, I heard him. I learned of him. And it was the truth of Jesus. And it began to change me forever, change my mind, change my heart, change my activity. Jesus is the hope. Jesus is what you need. It's, he, he's who I need. He, he's, he's who we're learning. In verse 20, it says, if you've learned him not about him. Not even so much from him. But if you're in relationship with him, you're, you're going to walk in the truth. He goes on to say in verse 22, that you, this is our role, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man with which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And he goes through this list. Of things just to get away from, get over. It goes this way. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak with his neighbor truth, for we are members of one another. Verse 26 Be angry and do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer. But rather, let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Oh, that verse, we're going to get there, I promise, right? That verse, though, the guy who stole, instead of stealing, stop stealing. But instead of stop stealing only, stop stealing and start serving. What? Stop stealing, duh. Start serving, really? Really? And you get a chance to let God put off the old man, renew your mind, put on the new man, and you begin to do things you thought you would never do. There's people in this church right now serving others (laughs) that you never, ever, ever, ever ever anticipated serving others, but only ever serving yourself, and yet God did something new in you, and your greatest joy is to serve the church somehow, to show up early, to stay late, to say yes to everything. We've got people volunteering to make the hoodies and the t-shirts and to set up and to do what needs to be done and go on youth trips, people who were formerly selfish, self-serving, self-interested. And Jesus says, no, no, don't take anymore. Give. That's where the real sweet spot is. He also says in verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Verse 32, final verse for today. And... Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Would you bow your heads with me? And I'm going to pray and ask God to bless this teaching. Father, in Jesus' name, your word is so powerful and so thorough and so good. It's so balanced. It's just, it's alive. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, we trust your word to have its way during this Sunday service. And all who are watching live here, looking at a video, or maybe online, downloading the stream, or it's just your word is timeless. It's transcendent. And so in Jesus' name, may the students here, the lovers of God here, the seekers, the wanderers, the wonderers, everyone here, may they be drawn into you And may you, Lord, do something deep within their hearts that, Lord, it might be known in their lives that you are real, that Jesus is real. So bless this time now, we pray in your name, amen. Amen. Well, two weeks ago when we began chapter four, we went over the gifts of the spirit that God gives us to serve the church, to exalt him and evangelize the lost. He gave us all this cool stuff, like here's a gift for you, here's a gift for you, Okay, here's a gift for you, and he gave gifts. You shouldn't have given anything, but he gave us these gifts. But he doesn't just stop by giving us gifts to then do stuff. He also, listen, in your Christianity says, I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff, man. But in order that you would hold these gifts better, you're going to have to set some stuff down. You realize that, right? It's kind of a give and take. In order to be receiving what God has, you have to give up what you once held dear, That's the old man, the old nature. And he asks us to partner with him. He's done, let's just be honest, he's done what I call the lion's share of it all, the heavy lifting. He comes along and says, hey, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and gentle of heart, and you're gonna find rest for your soul. And he says, put a yoke on, we're gonna go to work. Reality is, I'm doing it all. But you still have to yoke up with the Lord. And he gives you these gifts but then he also says, I want you to co-op with me. You could call this the to-do's of the, of the to-done. He's done it all, but he asks you to co-op. When my wife and I moved here in 2010, we bought this little small lot, just enough room for a house. And we hired a company to build us a house. And the way they did it, they said, we're going to build 80% of the house. You do 20%. And they gave us what they called the OTDs owner to-dos. They said, this is your list. If you don't do this, we're not going to either. And if you don't do this right, everything else will be wrong. And it was our responsibility. And and they did most of the stuff. They plumbed it and framed it and founded it and rocked it and wired it and roofed it. But we had to do 20% of the other work making this inhabitable. And if we would have just said, you know what? I appreciate the 80% and you guys are killing it. This is a lot of work you're doing. We're not going to do our part though. Not only would it not be finished or not be inhabitable, it would actually be illegal. They wouldn't have given us occupancy permits because we didn't do our part. And in Christianity, God does most of it. But lest we become lazy and weirdos, he says, hey, I want you to do your part. I want you to own this and earn this and and enjoy this. I want you to enjoy what, take my yoke, man. And he invites us in. It's called the OTDs, the owner to-dos. And uh, the Lord says, man, I've done it all. He's provided a new life in him for you. He gave that to you. He paid for the forgiveness of the sins that you committed against him. And he's given us the power now, the gifts to live for him. He supplied us with everything we need for the journey moving ahead. But he asks us to walk now. He says, hey, let's go for a walk. You got everything you need, sweet, let's go. And you're like, whoa, I kind of liked it here, right here. And he's like, no, no, we're going into the promised land to take it over. I want you to walk in unity. That's going to blow everyone's mind. I want you to walk in purity. People are going to be tripping, going, I knew that guy. I knew that guy, but now he's walking in purity. And I want you to walk in harmony with the Spirit. I want you to feel and understand what's happening. Not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit and all this. And I also want you, listen, to walk in victory. And he'll end in chapter 6 telling us Christians what we're to look like. Now, I like how he waits till the final chapter. Just pay attention to this thought. We'll get there in chapter six eventually. But in chapter six, he says, now stand in victory. And a lot of Christians are like, yeah, I want to be victorious. How do I get to chapter six? Well, you got to do chapter four, five, and six. You got to walk in all these things he lays out succinctly. Just like when we built our house, we didn't just start doing things out of order. There was a perfect order So right now, today, we're talking about purity. We've talked about unity last week. We talked about purity as well. But why is purity so important? Okay, two reasons. Number one, without purity, you won't see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, Matthew 5, 8, for they shall see God. Without purity, you're going to see things all funky, all weirdy. It's not going to happen. As a matter of fact, I'm going to run off the stage. You see me? No, you don't. You can hear me. It's kind of cool, but you don't want to watch the rest of this video because you can't see me. But if I come back into the shot, now I'm back. And so, too, how important is purity to you? Without it, you're not going to see God properly. You might hear his voice from time to time or sense him because he's so good. But you're not going to see him the way he wants to be seen if you're not... Moving towards purity. Not only is it important for you, we learned this last week, but it's important for others that you're pure. How important is it? The Bible says in Hebrews 12 that without purity, people won't see God in you. They're just going to miss it, and you're going to be nothing of interest to them or impact in their lives. But if they see you walking in integrity and character at the workplace, when everyone else is taking a little bit home for themselves or ripping off the boss or when other people are committing injustice or crimes and you kind of just say, you know what? <laughs> not my own, I, I, I serve Jesus. I'm not gonna do that. They see, whether they like it or not, because they might not, they see God in you. That, it's, so, it's so important. So how, how important is purity to you? It's just a good question. I'm serious. This will guide you and guard you and keep you moving forward. If purity's not important to you, <laughs> you're in trouble, okay? You are gonna get smacked around. You are gonna get taken down so far. You may not come up. I'm just being honest. But if purity's like, oh man, purity, oh yeah, yeah, ah, yeah, that's good. That's the Lord. He's, he's drawing you in, and right now your antenna is going up, and your mind is being renewed, and your heart is softening. And the Lord says, "This is so important. This is so important." As a matter of fact, uh, most of us like pure things. We go to the store, some of us do at least, and we read the labels before we buy things. You know what I'm saying? Like, just it, just pure ingredients? And the big, big, you know, buzzwords are organic and non-GMO. You know, and all this stuff that are like, oh yeah, look at this. It's non-GMO Twinkie bars. You know, this is gonna be good for me. You know, whatever weird buzzwords it's funny my son he's got this favorite potato chips at the store i was gonna bring a bag but i ate them and i was gonna bring this bag of potato chips and on the ingredients it's got this box for the ingredients you know the big square that they put all the ingredients three things and the rest of it's blank it's really cool avocado oil salt and potatoes. That's the three ingredients. And it's his favorite of all the lays and all the stuff out there that has hydrogenated, you know, uh, trash and all this other stuff in there and, you know, oil from sea vessels and whatever, all this stuff. Purity. How, how important is it to you? It reminds me of the story of the two boys who wanted to go see that Rated R movie and their dad checked the reviews and did the parental check online said, guys, there's just enough impurity in this movie where I'm just gonna say, no. You guys can't handle it. It's too much. And the boys arguing, ah, dad, we want to go see the movie. It's just a little bit of impurity, just a little bit. And the dad stayed the course and said, sorry, I love you guys too much. I'm not going to let you go see this movie. And it's just got too much of a bad thing and so the boys went in their room and they were disappointed And the dad being a good dad discipling his boys decided to show them grace and truth and so he's given them the truth but now he's gonna grace them with some cookies and he makes them a fresh batch of chocolate chip cookies and brings it to him says boys I feel bad about you being the heavy but I love you so I made you these cookies I don't want you to enjoy them now. But and the boys begin to reach for cookies. And he says, before you eat them though, before you indulge in those cookies, I need to rem- just let you know that I put just a little bit of dog poop right inside those cookies. Just a little bit, like a quarter teaspoon, thumbnail size, just a fingernail dog poop. Just fresh. Just fresh. It wasn't even old. It's brand new. And I just mixed it up and baked it in there, but it's not much. I bet you won't even notice it. I didn't smell it. It's just, it's in there. Don't. And the boys, obviously, like you would too, put the cookies back and said, that's just enough impurity to shut me down. I'm not gonna partake, I'm not gonna indulge. And man, when you have this appreciation for purity, you gotta know why. Number one, so you see God, oh, it's the best. Number two, so people see God in you, that's your purpose. Careful of this impurity that comes into our lives and uh, takes us down. So what kind of in, what kind of Purity, then, is the Lord asking of you and me? Because purity is kind of a generic word. What does God really want for us? Thanks for asking. I'm glad you asked that question. So first of all, he points out what we looked like before we got saved. Our minds were futile in nature, and we knew there was a God, but we didn't worship him. Think about that. You wake up every day, by the way, and you know there's a God. That doesn't mean you're going to respond properly. And the whole world around us is walking around in the futility of their mind. Oh, I'm just driving on this little thing called earth, just driving in circles. It's spinning around quite fast. I'm not sure how that works. But anyways, I'm going to drive and breathe this oxygen. This oxygen is pretty good. I'm not sure where that came from. But anyways, I'm just having a good time on this whole thing and doing my life. And I came from a monkey. And it's futile. It's crazy. And so too we as Christians, though, if you wake up every morning in awe, Whoa, I'm created in the image of God. My sins have been forgiven. His spirit's in me. I've got gifts. Wow. It's the opposite of futility. It is great purpose and great power. (sighs) Once we start to worship him, we start to learn of him. It says in verse 20. But before we get to verse 20, I want you to see verse 19 one more time. It says this, it says, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Wow, this is the old you. This is the current world. And I just want to focus on one thing. It says here that they're past feeling. Did you know that feelings and feelers are God's gift to you to warn you when you're in trouble? The Bible says that the world's past feeling. They're so far down the tubes that they don't even know that what they're doing is bad. Where previously, in generations ago, we knew the things we're doing now were bad. We, we felt funny when we did them. We had this alert system. When Noah was two, he's eight now. He'll be nine on Thanksgiving Day. We were at Grandpa Joe and Arla's house. And we were hanging out there, and somebody had just finished making coffee and was holding it. About two years old, and the coils had just went from red to black there on the stove. And it was black now. You couldn't even tell that they were sizzling hot. And Noah, right around two years old, just leaned down and touched the coils, just bleh, put his hand right on it. I didn't know they were hot, and so I'm holding him and looking at him, and all of a sudden he looked at me. And it all went into slow motion, hands still on the grill, looked at me as if to say, I'm being terrorized. I've just been abducted by the pain sensors in my hand. And you know what happened next? The hand came back, the shock and awe. Father, I've been burned, you know, and he didn't quite talk like that. Instead, it was shrills and screams and ER visits and doctor calls. And, you know, here's the deal, though. That pain sensor in his hand was a gift to tell him that something was wrong here. And it, it alerted him to then respond and to move. The problem with sin, though, the problem with sin is if sin is committed and then uncorrected, it ultimately leads you astray. What once was obviously sin and obviously forbidden will ultimately, if gone unchecked, you'll find yourself doing some crazy stuff. You've heard the illustration before as if I took a 500-pound weight and put it upon a dead person. That dead person is still dead. They're not moving. They don't even mind the 500-pound weight because they're past feeling. (laughs) They're so beyond response. But if I took 500 pounds and I put it on Pastor Matt's head, Okay? Right there on his head. You know what he's going to do? He's going to move. He's going to get mad. He's going to struggle to get that weight off of his dome and get away from it. So too, if you're alive in Christ and you have feeling, you know when you're not where you're supposed to be in the weight of sin and the pressure, you feel it. That's a good thing. Did you know that the world today doesn't even feel it anymore? They don't feel carnality and sin. And when, when things pop up on the screen, you're at the movie theater, and you look away like, whoa, I don't want to see that. The rest of them, they don't even know that something bad popped up on the screen. Missy Elliott was interviewed many, many years ago and was asked about pride and the sin of pride. And her response was, is pride's a, a sin? What? Who says who? And listen, can I just say something? I don't like to struggle with sin. I feel bad. I just feel like I've got a 500-pound weight on my head. It feels funny. But if you struggle with sin, that means you're not past feeling. That means you have feelings. And that means you're saved. That means you're alive. If you're a man here today and you're struggling with sin and you just can't get away from this carnality and you keep looking or keep lusting and ah, but it's a struggle for you, I would just say keep struggling until you win. A struggle indicates, a struggle is indicative, a struggle implies that you're alive in Christ. And so embrace the struggle. Thank God that you're not past feeling. Thank God that you haven't given over to all lewdness and greediness. And how do we stay sensitive? How do we not lose feeling? The Bible says in verse 20, he goes on, we we looked at this last week and ended here, but you have not so learned Christ. You're not past feeling because you've learned Christ. Because you actually know him. And I want to make the distinction here. It doesn't say you learned about Christ. It doesn't say you learned from Christ. Did you know that the whole world knows about Christ? They know, they've heard of him. December 25th, man, it's Christmas Day. You know, everybody knows about Christ. That doesn't mean everyone knows Christ. It is so different. If you want to stay sensitive and not go past feeling... It's not gonna come from knowing about Christ necessarily. It's not even gonna come from hearing other people's stories about Christ at all. Do you know what's gonna keep you? I'm serious, listen. Do you know what's gonna keep you sensitive and overcoming in the struggle? What's gonna keep you moving forward and engaged and encouraged and victorious is not knowing more about Jesus or more about the rules. Okay, that is not gonna do it but it is more about knowing him. You have not so learned Christ. If you truly know him, if you're, if you're engaged with him while you're driving down the road praying to him, not just memorizing scriptures for him or doing things in his name, but instead you're doing it with him. As a matter of fact, look at the next verse. He says, verse 21, if indeed you've heard him okay, and been taught by him, As the truth is in Jesus, there was this intimacy, this connection. You actually handled him. That's why we take communion here every single Sunday, 52 weeks out of the year. We take communion here because when you come to the table, (laughs) you come to the table here and you grab the bread, which represents his body, and you grab the cup, which represents his blood, and you're like, whoa, (laughs) wow, whoa, and you know that his body was broken for you, It's not just a list of rules. And you know that his blood was shed for you out of all of his body for you, not just a set of rules, but it was love and communion. And if you're not intimate with Jesus right now, not communing with him, or maybe your time at the table has become just arbitrary and religious and you know systematic, listen, the way you're going to stay from getting past feeling is by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, the difference between you and the world, is it knowledge... It isn't strength, it's intimacy. Intimacy with Jesus Christ. You have not so learned Christ. Verse 22, he goes on to give us some practical thoughts. That's you, this is our to-dos, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. I like this idea. Put off the old man, the former conduct, just put him away. What did you used to do? Like Elijah and I, my brother in law, and we picked up those pumpkins, we were going to smash them. We're like, just put these right back here. You know? We began to then change our activity because of our identity. Let me just tell you, Christians here, okay? And you who will become Christians today. Did you know that you have to say no to the old man? Like daily? Like every day I wake up, I'm like, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I've got gifts. And I look in the mirror, I'm like, what are you doing here? It's the old man. That guy. And I got to watch out for Luke Chat. You do too. Not, not for Luke Frechette, but you got to watch out for you. And you got to put off the old man. And lots of people, I've heard this in the world, they say, man, just follow your heart and do what's right. Bro. Do what you feel, man. I'm like, do what I feel? If I did what I felt and followed my heart, I would end up doing prison ministry from the inside. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't follow my heart, man. It's crazy in there. You don't. I'm not going to follow. I'm going to take my heart. I'm going to say no to it. Okay? I'm going to say no to the old man daily. If I just do what I want, and you got to be honest with yourself, man, it's crazy. The Bible says, look, know Jesus, learn of him, put off the old man, because your old man full of deceitful lusts. Look at that, verse 22. It says that the old man is growing corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. I like how it describes lust as deceitful, because there's nothing as deceitful as lust. Lust says, I want, I need, I must have. That's what it says. And if you're not careful, you'll obey it. Oh yeah, I do want this. I do need this. I, I do get this. And when you get it, you think, because you're deceived, you think it's actually going to fulfill you. It's actually going to give you what you wanted, take you where you thought you wanted to go. But instead, lust, all kinds, or the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the, the lust of the flesh, whatever it is, lust is like a fire, And when you feed it, thinking it will satisfy the fire, it actually stokes it and makes it crazier. When you feed your lust and say, if I would just get with her, now that would, oh yeah, that would do it. I would feel, oh yeah. It actually will destroy you. It will destroy you. It will fire up within you and it will take you further away from the Lord, past feeling. You say, I just want this one thing. Listen, guys. Listen, gals. Lust is deceitful. The only way to conquer lust. It's not by feeding it or taming it or protecting it. The only way to conquer lust is to starve it, just like a fire. Just starve it. It will go out. It will go out and your feelings will return and you can find yourself not deceived. So if you're struggling with lust here today, man, you got to starve it You got to repent, take communion, get prayer. You got to deal with it today. Do not feed it any longer. Verse 23, you got to put off the old man. Then verse 23 tells us, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Once you begin to put away your old nature, say, no, 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 no. God then, because you're changing your mind, will renew it. And you'll find yourself thinking clearer, being more energized, more purposeful, more focused. And he begins to then change your heart. Verse 24 tells us, And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Do you see it? It's so easy. Put off the old man. Let your mind be renewed. And then put on the new man. Okay, this, is, this is the to-dos. You want to make your house inhabitable and, and profitable for Jesus? You've got to say no to the old man. Let the Lord renew your mind. And then put on Jesus Christ. My kids love playing dress up. They got all these uh, capes and masks and wigs and outfits, and they come down dressed like lumberjacks or firefighters or cops, you know, and it's just so fun. And then they terrorize our dog. They come down looking like, uh, you know, the the village people or something, and they're chasing after the dog running around the house, and I just sit there and film it. You know, it's like, this is good. This is good stuff. And and they just put on this stuff, and they take on a whole new persona. The Bible tells us specifically to put on Jesus Christ, to... to To take the attributes of God like like you would in a dress-up, and and to put on love, and to put on who he is. You put off the old man, and really, as as much as it sounds phony, you you put on Jesus in his spirit, and you try and be like Jesus. You, You just dress like him. You say no to the old man, renewed mind, and then you put on Jesus Christ. And the longer you do that, just so you know, the longer you put on Jesus Christ, the longer you, the more identified you will be by Jesus Christ. It's no different than the clothes you wore today. You got dressed, okay, most of you, and you put on clothes to like become somebody and to say, I wanna be seen as this person. This is kinda how I wanna be seen, and that's understandable. Some of you wanted to just blend in and not stand out, and some of you, your sweatpants were dirty, that's okay. And so, you got dressed though? Well, Jesus says, hey, study me. Look at me. Know me. Look at how I acted. Look at how I moved. And then put that on and do that. Here's what it says in Romans 13, verse 13 and 14. It says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, like get rid of that junk, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. You want to do well in this life? You've been given the gifts, you've got it all, but you've got to put off the old man. Have your mind renewed and put on Jesus Christ. And I, Again, you're gonna, sometimes the devil will trick you. You'll be driving down the road and you'll have acted in the flesh. Maybe you yelled at your kids or yelled at your spouse before you left or maybe you're yelling at the person in front of you. you just, maybe you're just in the flesh, the old man. And you don't wanna do anything except stay that old man. And the Lord would say, hey, why don't you put that down right now? Okay, I put it down. And then you repent and let the Lord renew your mind. Oh, And then you say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what Jesus would do. I'm going to totally flip this whole thing around. And and it's not me. It's him inside me. And it takes humility to put on Jesus Christ. He gives us now a list in verses 25 through 32, kind of a very practical list of how we're to look as Christians in this house building, this walking with him. He says in verse 25, therefore, putting away lying, and he quotes now out of Zechariah, let each one of you speak. Speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Stop right there. Eyes up here. This is so basic, but he has to put it in the Bible because it's not so basic. He says, hey, you're a Christian now. How about we stop lying? Let's do that. Let's stop lying. Don't lie anymore to people. Why? He tells us. He says, when you lie to people, you're actually hurting yourself because we're members of one another. And I just want you to think this through. This, and not all of you are liars, you know. Some of you have a real problem with this, and you know who you are. You can raise your hand right now. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But, you, you know, listen, when you lie, though, here's what happens. When you lie, you're, you're actually offending somebody, and, and they'll know. You, you'll never get away with it. It's kind of like super stupid. It's like a boomerang. It's like, I'm going to throw this boomerang super far away from me, and you walk away. And boom, hit in the head. And you lie to somebody. Eventually, it's going to come back, and they're going to know. They're offended now, and you're marked, your your character has been diminished. And if you continue to just be kind of a deceitful liar, and there's 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 different types of lies, isn't there? There's the lies of omission, where you just didn't tell the whole truth. Then there's lies of commission, where you fully fabricated the truth. Either way, here's what's going to happen. I just want you to get the practicalities here. You're going to hurt somebody. That's not cool. But then you're also going to be marked and tarnished, and you're going to be known as a liar, and eventually you're trying to protect yourself by lying and promote yourself by lying, but the boomerang comes around, and eventually you're walking around town in your life known as the liar, and you've actually hurt yourself by trying to help yourself. He says, don't do that anymore. It actually, it's a spiral. What you should do is stop lying, and in so doing, you'll be helping yourself and others. It's so simple, but some of you need to hear it today. And maybe you don't know how to even undo the lies you've told. I don't either, okay? Just stop, though, today. Stop. Commit to telling the truth as unto the Lord and see what he does for you. He also says this in verse 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And he's quoting scripture. Nor give place to the devil. He talks about this anger now and how we're not to have anger that leads to sin that will ultimately give place to the devil. So he says to Christians, by the way, how many of you guys have ever been angry? <laughs> how many just lied right on that's okay we're moving on we get angry and he said so he addresses it he says be, don't be angry why because if you're angry it's going to give place to the devil it just will it just will when you're angry, doesn't get settled before you go to bed. And some of you have done this. We've all, we've all been guilty of this. He says, don't go to bed while angry. Either confess your sin and repent right there with Jesus Christ, and then go to bed, or call the person that you're mad at and confess your sin and forgive them. Because if you don't, Satan, while you sleep, or a day or two or a week or three or a year or five goes by and you're still bitter, he's going to plant in you what Hebrews says is a root of bitterness, And you're going to be walking around with a root of bitterness in your life, which will produce fruit of bitterness in your life. And you're like, nah, not me. And you look like you've been baptized in pickle juice. And everyone's like, you okay, bro? You're like, I'm fine. And and you're not even mad at them. You're mad at somebody else, but you've got this bitterness in your life. And you don't even know why. It comes from anger that has not been repented of. It's very important. It's for your benefit. He says, hey, today, 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 try it, forgive. Oh, but they don't deserve my forgiveness. Yeah, you didn't deserve your forgiveness either. Ah. And then when you, you can forgive even as you've been forgiven. Notice he says, be angry and don't sin. What's that about? This isn't asking for you, listen, to be passive and to roll over, Okay. And just never, you know, just kind of stand around and do nothing. This is not, not asking for a passivity in today's culture. He's actually saying be angry, just don't let that anger turn into sin. By the way, your anger that turns into sin is almost always ever because you've been offended. It's pride and selfishness when you're offended. But he does say be angry. And I would say be angry when? When other people are sinned against, when there's injustice, when there's things going on around you. You can be angry. Don't sin, though. how do you be angry and not sin? You turn your anger into righteous indignation, where you actually go to God based on what you're angry about and do something about it on your knees and in prayer. Jesus is the judge. We are the ones who petition him. (sighs) Next time you see injustice or tragedy, get angry and then give it to God. Get angry and give it to God. Next time you drive by an adult entertainment store, Get angry at that fact that there is such carnality and problems. Get angry and then pray. Pray for the person who owns the, the establishment. Pray for the patrons and the employees. Pray for everyone that goes there. And just pray, say, Lord, oh, and pray that they get saved. Next time you see a family that is being separated through divorce and carnality and decay, get angry. And then pray and ask God to soften hearts and restore love and to protect kids. And next time you see a poor family or injustice or poverty, get angry about it. And then pray and say, God, would you make me generous and benevolent? Help me to love people. This is, Lord, we're so torn down here. Next time you see a politician standing there with their hair, their blonde hair, waving or combing over, or you just get mad at the seen. And then what? Don't stay mad. Pray. Pray for God's will for our country. Pray. Pray. Be angry and do not sin. He goes on to say in verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands. What is good that he may have something to give him who has need. I love this. He says, if you stole, stop. And then what? Then give. Don't just stop stealing, that's pretty elementary, but in order to really put a dent in this whole thing called carnality and past feeling, in order to really excel, you who are bad sinners, stop, and then start serving. This is the one-two combo where you resist the devil and he flees from you, but you draw near to the Lord and he draws near to you. Just stopping your sin, that's what the cops are here for. You know what I'm saying? Stop it, I'm going to arrest you. Okay, that's, that's good. But the Holy Spirit says, stop stealing and start serving. And there's some people here who all you used to do was thuggy, schwuggy stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like just go out there and just mean mugging and stealing and hustling. I know, I I, know, I, and I've seen the change in your heart. Not only are you not doing stuff anymore that's evil and sinful, but you're seeking to serve. We get people calling, hey, I got some time off today. You need me to come down to the church and just vacuum? You need me to do something? You want me to clean the vehicles? And I'm like, That's legit. That's legit that you have found such a deliverance from your past life and are now walking in a new life. Verse 29 says this, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. This is a pretty big one, made the list, the the to-dos. He says, hey, careful with your tongue. The Bible says the tongue has two powers, one of life and one of death. That's what it says in the Proverbs. That when you speak, you are either sowing life, whoa, power, health, and healing and direction, or you are sowing poison and death, carnality and decay. You've seen this, your tongue, it's powerful. Even if you're just kind of walking in a normalcy with your tongue and not edifying your family or the people you work with, it's still just swearing them out. He says this, use your tongue for good. Now, I would just challenge you. It's on you, okay? This is the list. It's on you to do this. You're already saved. But just start maybe the rest of the day and say, Lord, help me to tame my tongue. Not just to shut up, but when I open up, help me to build up. Help me to see the good in people and the benefit of the doubt and to pour into people and to encourage them and to congratulate them and to pray for them. If this church began to use our tongues all the time for edification instead of backbiting or criticism or coarse jesting or stupidity, if we just said, okay, there's life and death, which one am I going to use? It's kind of like bullets. You know what I'm saying? Bullets are good. Okay? When you shoot the stuff you're supposed to shoot. Okay, But if you shoot stuff you're not supposed to shoot, bullets are bad, really bad. So, too, God's given you a bunch of bullets every day with your tongue, with your words. How are you going to use those? He goes on, oh, I'm running out of time here, but you got to hear this. He says, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit, verse 30, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What in the world does that mean? Did you know that the Holy Spirit goes with you everywhere you go? He channels and hears everything you say. He receives everything you look at and hear. He's just right there, and occasionally you and I get exposed to or do stupid things, and the Holy Spirit's like, I ain't going nowhere. You know that, right? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm here with you in this place right now doing this thing. I'm here, and that grieves him. <sighs> Don't grieve him. Now, I need you to get the, the heart, because it makes sense that it grieves him, right? That makes sense. He's holy, and, and and he's pure. But did you know that when you cuss, or when you look at something dumb, or when you hear something, or listen to that music that's just awful, when you do that, the Holy Spirit's right there too. You're like, okay, okay, okay. What they just say? You know, it's not that he's never heard those words, or seen those things, or, or knows about that activity. It's not that you're grieving him and surprising him. Listen. The reason he's grieved is because he knows what those things will do to your soul. Oh, Luke, watch out. Oh, don't go there. Don't listen. Oh, Luke. And he's grieved, not because he's disappointed or fed up, but he's so full of love. It would be like you watching your kids slowly hurt themselves. And even though you've trained them and maybe you're whispering to them, you're somehow just... I'm not going to stop them because it's free will. And you're just, if you watched your kids slowly being tortured, oh, the heart of a parent would be grieved. And so too God says, when you sin, yeah, it offends me. It's crazy. It's, it's ridiculous. But more so than that, my heart breaks for you because you're being deceived at this very minute. Because Satan is taking his spikes and putting them into your skull, and he's taking you places you don't know what it's going to do to you. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So the heart of this, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, isn't a threat. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He's going to spank you. It's not not the heart of it. The heart of it is is God loves you. He says, man, walk with me. and Let's just be chill. and Let's make this legit. Verse 31, he says, let all bitterness, all wrath, all anger, all clamor, and all evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. This list is like listing the same activity in like five different adjectives, you know, just in case you want to find yours. He says, put all this stuff away. Anger, malice, wrath, it's violence, loudness. Ah, why? Did you know that all of those activities will ultimately give you a disease? They'll ultimately cause your cortisol imbalance and your cortisone structures and your stress levels and ultimately something's going to break inside of you you're going to get wrinkles on your face and stress on your on your body and you're ultimately he says don't do any of these things because yeah they're sinful and offensive but really they're going to be painful and destructive for you you can't put this stuff away put this stuff away and he finally gives us the foundation this is the last thought okay for all this list this otds this is on you it's on me. It's exciting. I get to walk with Jesus. I get to walk in unity. Woo! Now he's asking me to walk in purity. Woo! You know? Why though? Look at the last verse. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. Whoa. Lest you be kind of like sitting back and like, I don't know, man. I'm all about grace, not trying to do anything. Grace this and grace that. I'm going to live my life. I don't need to do anything. You know, And in case you're thinking that way, he says, hey, you were dead and he made you alive. You were guilty and he paid for your guilt. You were arrested and he set you free. Not just set you free, he took your place on the cross. And he's asking you now to do something, to sacrifice also to repent today, to apologize, to say sorry, to own it. Did you know that when you go low in grace and repentance, God's healing comes rushing towards you? But when you clamor high to protect yourself and get away from pain and get away from dealing with things, you find yourself separated and distanced from everything right. The Lord says, hey, how did you get here anyways? Well, the Lord forgave me and the Lord graced me. He says, yeah, I want you to now walk in this stuff. And if you've been in any of these areas, maybe you would say, I, 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 my feeling is kind of dull. I do some things now that when I was a teenager, I signed a contract that I would never do. I said, I would never do this. Maybe you grew up in a, in a pure home and environment and you said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna wait till marriage. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fornicate. I'm not gonna give myself away in that way. I'm gonna say, but you're now opened up that envelope and it's now the envelope's open and it's easy to just kind of give your body away and you need to say, no, I'm gonna repent today. I'm gonna repent. I'm gonna put off the old man. And I'm gonna renew my mind and I'm gonna put on Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've just gotten loose in the way that you entertain yourself with maybe visuals and movies or whatever you bring into your body. You've gotten loose. Hey, listen, there's, the only shame in that is if you continue on in your ways. The only shame in that is if you don't come to repentance. When the Lord speaks to you and says, hey, that's too much, you done? You put that down? Move on, let's go. And you put on Jesus Christ. And maybe you're just a habitual liar, just a rage a or whatever the case is, or you don't use your tongue. You just, your tongue is just, it's just bitter. And you never use it for good. Today, put away the old man. It's very simple. Let him renew your mind. You can't change your heart, but he won't change your mind. But if you change your mind, he will change your heart. The heart of every issue is an issue of the heart. Today, just say, okay, I am wrong. I am sinful. I have been sinning. And I, wanna, I don't want to anymore. And I fear I will because of my own weakness. But I'm not trusting in my weakness. I'm trusting in your strength. And so I'm putting away the old man. And I need you to renew me. And I want to learn of Christ. I want my life to be marked by communion and intimacy with Jesus. I want to enjoy that for myself personally, and then I want everyone else to see it even publicly and where I live. Lord, forgive me. Help me, Lord, to not be so calloused and so like the world. Stop trying to be like the world. This is where life gets fun, when you realize I'm in the world but not of it. What am I doing here then? You're here to see God. And help others see God. That's your whole purpose. You are in the world but not of the world. So stop trying to be like the world. I'm going to have Jay come up now and he's going to lead us in worship. And we're going to take communion as a family of God. And this is your opportunity to just make this yours now. You're going to stand up and come take communion. I can't do it for you. I can preach to you all day long. Trust me, I can't. But this is where you respond to God. And you say, yep, yep, yep and you renew your mind, and he'll touch your heart. So I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. They're bringing communion out, and Jay's gonna lead us. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you, Lord, are timeless, that you are so kind and so great and so rich. Lord, that you would even give us an opportunity today even though we've been so sinful yesterday and last week and this month and this year, we've been so off our rocker at times. And yet you say, yeah, my mercies are new all day long, every single morning. Every single time you open your eyes and look up, I'm right there. That's crazy. Lord, you're so, cra- you're so loving so much more than we are. And so today, Lord, we now come to this place and I ask in Jesus' name, you would give us, Lord, our part, which is a heart of repentance that, Lord, we would put away the old man, and we would allow you to renew our minds then, and we then would put on Jesus. We would look for ways to walk, Lord, in righteousness and use our tongues and not, Lord, inhibit you from doing in us what you wanna do. So if you're here this morning before we open the tables up for communion, would you just, if the Lord's moving in your heart and you just know you're, you're kind of carnal, you're a carnal Christian, you're just kind of wacky, you're saved, but you're just not taking it serious. You are not serious about your faith you know it and I'm not judging you and the Holy Spirit loves you and he's inside you but God says hey you want this house to be inhabitable and legit then here's your part I'll do everything don't even trip I got you but I need your cooperation if you're here and you're just a carnal messed up Christian and nope all eyes are closed right now no one's looking Would you just if you want to repent and say Lord I just need your help I want to put off the old man And I want my mind renewed, and I'm going to put on the new man. Would you raise your hand right now? Just raise your hand right now and say, yeah, Lord, there's carnality in my life, and I'm sorry. I don't want to pretend it's not there. It frustrates me too. If the carnality in your life is frustrating you and you're struggling, that means you're alive. You're carnal by action, but your attitude is still wrecked and you wish there was relief. Raise your hand right now by way of repentance. Your sin is your sin, whether it's anger or fear or lying or lust, whatever it is. Raise your hand right now. And Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name, you would break the chains of the old man, that you would do away with the sin and carnality and the lust and the deception. In Jesus' name, shine light on the deception right now. And may people be renewed in Jesus' name. And may they begin to right now find their minds working rightly, Lord, clear the minds right now raise your hand if you want to join this group of people that would say yes Lord deliver me from myself and give me Jesus Christ Holy Spirit do a work in your body cleanse us even now as we're coming to the table as we take the body and ingest it, as we take the cup and enjoy it Lord as we remind ourselves of the intimacy of Jesus you can put your hands down now and father I pray your blessing on us as we walk with you in unity as we walk with you in purity As we trust you for all things, Lord, bless us now as we take communion. We do all these things in Jesus' name, amen.